0: hello everyone and welcome to the first proper podcast edition of it should go without saying and i'm your host andrew lewis and i've got on the line my longtime friend uh another amateur cricket expert and also the person who gave this podcast its name cameron mcdonald how are you doing cameron i'm good punny yourself i'm pretty good and for those who are who don't know uh the backstory: I, my nickname is Punter, so he's, I think a few people will call me Punter during the course of these podcasts. But it's by it's because of my strong resemblance to a former Australian cricket captain. And it's on that note that uh, I can introduce what we're going to talk about today and tonight in Edgbis, at in Birmingham at the Edgebuston Ground is the start of the 2019 Ashes series, and uh, this is like Christmas for cricket tragics like m- myself and yourself, Cameron.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I've, there's beer in the fridge, and I just can't wait to get home from work.
0: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting. Um, first of all, let's go to some of the team news. I think England have named their team. So I James Anderson that. is James Anderson is playing. Um, so I think it's uh, Burns, Roy, Root, Denley, Stokes, Butler, Bearstow, Arlie, Wokes, Broad, and Anderson.
1: Yes, and Jofra Archer uh, won't be playing.
0: No, he's uh, they're building up his workload, so they're hopefully looking forward to him uh, playing later in the series. What do you think of that English team? Uh,
1: look, on paper it looks uh, relatively brittle in the top six, particularly. Been a bit of conjecture about Root batting three and. Uh, and this kind of thing, uh, he almost is required to play there. But then I've seen some stats on Twitter today about, uh, you know, his last, you know, 30-odd digs. He's, he's not really averaging uh, the kind of numbers that you'd want to see from your, from your number three. Uh, look, he's, we know he's got the class and the talent to bat three, um, and he probably has to, looking at what's around him. They haven't been able to find uh, an opening pair that, that works. Uh you know Denley, three tests into his career. Um, Butler's obviously a freak, but Butler and Bairstow, um under the under a red ball microscope, um, and without the freedom to sort of play their shots whenever they fancy, uh, that that top six presents some opportunities for um, for the Australian bowlers. I would have thought.
0: I like uh, from an Australian point of view. I like this sort of story that's got around that Joe Root doesn't want a bat three. You know, if you get him in early, get him in first over, and suddenly you think he doesn't want to be out here. He'd rather have another five or ten overs in the sheds before coming out. So, I would have, it's I would have, I, would, thing, isn't it? I wouldn't have been happy with that story coming out if I was the English captain.
1: No, not at all. And and on the on the flip side, you've got Stephen Smith likely batting at four for Australia. Um, you know, has batted three uh, with the plum, but obviously pre- prefers to bat four. Perhaps uh, also prefers a little bit more shine off the ball. He obviously has to go big for us to to have a a big say in this Ashes. But you know, him batting four doesn't come under the same scrutiny as perhaps as as Root in that top six for England. I
0: I, I was just uh, watching some of the highlights or lowlights from the. Trent Bridge match four years ago when the Aussies got bowled out for 60. Smith batted three in that match. So... Yeah, really? yeah they had Smith at three, Sean Marsh at four, and uh, Michael Clark at five. So, I mean, there has been, historically in the Australian team, there was this huge thing for what seemed like a decade between Clark and Hussey, and whoever batted four didn't make runs, and whoever batted five made tons of runs. And then they'd swap them <laughs> around, and it would swap again. So... Someone's got a bat three. It's the most specialised position. It's the most important position. I, w- I would have thought if I was Joe Root at that press conference yesterday, I would have been saying, you know, I'm the captain. It's my responsibility. I want it. I'm going to make 100.
2: Yeah, over
1: the years, a lot of these, you know, high-quality bats and, uh, you know, once-in-a-generation type bats just haven't batted three anymore, have they? Um, you know, maybe going back to, well, the the... The latter years of Alan Border and and through Tugger's career and uh, I mean punter Punt obviously batted three but um, you know A B de Villiers and Tendulkar and um, you know Lara for large chunks of his career I suppose he did spend a lot of time at three as well but is it as specialised a position as uh, as we're always hearing about? You just want to get runs and so there's an argument for just uh, making sure that when your premier player comes in the conditions are as
0: suitable to him as possible. It it seems to me like in the 1980s, uh, in my formative watching of cricket years, that it was more of a specialised position and you would be more likely to send an opener down and and have him bat number three. Um, Alan Border certainly before um, Dean Jones came into the seat as a permanent permanent fixture, uh, did uh, bat a bit of three. Um, Yeah. uh, And Greg Chappell batted three. Um, But then there was a period there where you'd see guys like Matthew Elliott get sent down at three. It always seemed to be the spot that Ricky Ponting was always going to bat. Um, yeah, did. But other than Ponting, Lyra's the one I can remember batting a bit at three, but certainly not Tendulkar or War. I mean, there was a summer there where they, where they threw Steve War in at number three against the West Indies, and it didn't really work. So... Yeah, there's
1: been a little bit of a, a tendency recently to just chuck somebody in at three. Um, a debutante, you know, like Labuschagne playing a few tests against India at number three, that's that's uh, baptism of fire. Um, God, promoting that... Glenn Maxwell in the subcontinent to bat three, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. There are guys, you're almost setting them up to fail in some some ways.
0: Well, I reckon Glenn Maxwell and setting up to fail and test cricket is a podcast all of its own, Cameron, but...
1: Uh, <laughs> I was going to um, say one good question to throw about would be of the, the 25 blokes playing... The seventeen who've been picked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Who's the most unlucky to be uh, not in that touring party? Who's the most unlucky not to be uh, playing in the first Test match if things go the way that we believe they're going to? And who's the who's the most unlucky not to have been in that Australia versus Australia A game in the first place? Um, but I, I think well, our answers to all those questions might be very similar.
0: Well, I think in terms of the the the. Australia versus Australia, a probables versus possibles game, then the most unlucky not to be in the team is Maxwell. But I guess he wasn't in form. Um, and maybe the English conditions don't suit him a, a heap. Um, I think in terms of the touring party, I think Joe Burns is probably the least, is the most unfortunate not to be in the touring squad, the 17, considering he yeah, made a big he- fat hundred in his last test match. And um, it's not the
1: first that he's made either. But no. I, mean, I think there's an argument for Burns and there's an argument for Carey. who, um, you know, if Wade is a specialised batsman, um, and I know they've sent Carey along to a county club to play cricket over there, and should anything happen to Payne, he'll be the first called in. But after the World Cup that he had, we seem to be investing quite a bit in that lad's future. So, um, you know, a tour with the team in, the, in sort of the old language might have really... Uh, Helped
0: him along. The, the Wade thing baffles me in so much as I think throughout the Australian summer it was it seemed to be from the selectors, a uh, anyone but Matthew Wade, and now yeah. everybody's like, well, Matthew Wade's got to get in. We've got to play Matthew Wade. He's got to be in the in the in the squad, and you know all indications are that he's going to be in the 11 tonight as a specialist batsman. So, um, yeah.
1: after a white ball summer as well that couldn't quite get him a gig in the World Cup squad. Couldn't quite get him a gig even when drafted into the World Cup squad. Um, so, yeah, there's been a philosophical change. But there's some there's some wise old heads starting to surface in the Australian camp over there in uh, unofficial roles, perhaps, who I think um, have, have seen the light of day and just gone, this is this is too many runs to be ignored.
0: Yeah. Then there's a couple of other guys around the squad. This, this We haven't seen this sort of since Jimmy Ma was around the 20, 2003 World Cup, as in... Batsmen who can keep a bit. So you've got Bancroft and you've got uh, Hanscom in there who've both done a bit of keeping. So, um, and not someone's injured. I'm pulling on the pads to finish off a game, but you know, actually selected as keepers uh, for entire matches. So it's
1: pretty handy. World 11 of 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 (laughs) keeper batsmen down to seven Uh, at the moment in the world. There's uh, you know, India uh, have a couple of keepers that that. uh, you know, warrant their selection in the side, whether they're keeping or not. Um, you know, same in England. So, yeah, and Australia certainly.
0: The so, yeah, yeah. England are playing two keepers, aren't they? They've got Butler and besto And yeah, that's right. Am I right? Is besto ba- keeps in the Tests and Butler keeps in the One Days?
1: I think that's right because but uh, they Bairstow both play good outfielder. And it's it's, yeah. it's probably an interesting point because I'd I'd suspect there's weaknesses in 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 both of their ability to keep. Um, Australia's pretty big on the quality of Tim Payne behind the stumps, but I don't think we want Wade uh, keeping unless there's an injury to Payne within a game. I don't think he would start as a wicketkeeper for Australia anymore, having not taken the gloves for Tasmania for a whole summer.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wade's probably more likely to get two or three overs with his slightly faster-than-gentle medium. He's handy. Yeah. Um, Having said that... um, he wouldn't be in my team so Is that right? and i, so I yeah, I've, been be I've been a matthew wade fan i've been a matthew wade fan for a long time and I, I i was of the opinion that he shouldn't have been dropped in the first place back in 2013 but right um i've got labachain in my side at the moment so and harris so i'm probably i would probably have a slightly different side then what will end up running out tonight? I have Warner, Harris, Kawaja, Smith, Head, Labashane, Payne, Cummins, Patterson, Siddle and Lyon.
1: Right. Uh, I am... Labashane is growing on me. I, I saw uh, his, his sort of test knock of substance at the Gabba live mm. and 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 thought he, thought he um, gave a pretty good account of himself for the majority of the summer uh, in trying circumstances where... Boomer was that far on top of us, it wasn't funny. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely growing on me. I like the team that it's rumoured is going to be picked tonight. Um, I think there'll be time for Marcus Harris, and he's, he's clearly a prodigious talent. But um, I suspect someone of the quality of James Anderson, um, you know, could could prize him out um, knowing his temperament. I know he went back and he got runs. Um, for Victoria, uh, but there's that, that weakness hitting the ball in the air, sort of through gully and point. That, you know, he just screams, I'm going to get eked out by an English fast bowler. Um, in the in the sort of Damien Martin um, way and, and trap they used to set for him, uh, I don't know. I think Harris could have a frustrating English Ashes if they were to pick him. And then and then Bancroft on the other hand. Um, I don't know if he's ever made runs without fighting for them. You know, when he got picked in the first place, it was off the back of that game between WA and New South Wales where he'd he'd made, you know, a gritty 80 as they got skittled by the Australian, you know, quartet of bowlers, who all came off and to a man said, this guy Bancroft is, you know, he's made of tough stuff. He's sort of your old school um, uh, Australian cricketer and Australian opener who is not going to give anything away. Now, when he played test cricket last time, there was a technical flaw appearing where you worried about his stumps against a a really good um, peppering by Quicks. But, you know, I I do believe in his ability to work on it because I also believe in his ability just to grit his teeth and say, not today.
2: Um,
1: So if we're talking about taking the shine off and protecting Steve Smith and anyone else who might come in uh, lower down the order, when it's not nibbling around quite so much,
2: uh,
1: I think Bancroft's my man. And there, there's some there's some synergy in just saying, you know what? Edgebaston, throw everything you can at us from a sledging point of view. Here's the three guys who were responsible, and they're all now responsible for uh, bringing back the little learn.
0: Excellent. That's a pretty good segue. That was next on my list of things to talk about. Um, obviously, it's going to be a big story uh, over the next week about... Certainly Smith and Warner playing, but also Bancroft playing. Um, people people love forgiving champions, and I think as far as cricket concerned, Smith and Warner are those, and Bancroft might still have the chance to prove uh, that he could be. Um, just give us your thoughts about uh, these three guys and the sort of uh, the sort of reception they're going to get at uh, the rowdiest ground in English cricket. Yeah, well, it's
1: just that, isn't it? We keep hearing about how rowdy they are, and I'm sure the Barmy Army will will bring their absolute best um, to this one. There's just something about the temperament of these particular three. Uh, And, in fact, Warner and Bancroft particularly, who I believe still get along like a house on fire, despite Bancroft uh, nearly dropping Warner in it um, a couple of times through their exodus. I don't know, they've got... They're, they're made of the right stuff. Uh, I, I questioned whether Warner could ever play for Australia at the time. I wondered whether Bancroft had the talent to overcome um, a year out of the game. Uh, I knew that Warner had it, but I wondered about his age. I wondered whether, you know, he would be able to come back again. But to me, he's come back in better order. He he looked more solid. He He looked like... A
0: test opener in the one-day setup. Yeah, at I, that I, time. I think David Warner, right throughout his career, has shown an incredible capacity to learn uh, and how to yeah, work on really his craft has. as a batsman. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there who he's never won over, regardless of what happened last year in South Africa. Um, obviously, we're all excited when he knocked the South Africans around that T20 debut, um, which was the first most of us had seen of him, but. You know, he carried his bat on a Bellary of green top against a very good New Zealand quick attack in his second test match, and that's sort of when he won me over. Um, mugs don't do that. No, and, the,
1: the talent is, is there for all to see.
0: Yeah, and it's not just the fact he can change a game, but, uh, you know, against a, a quality attack, particularly Anderson and Broad, um, who are probably, or, or certainly England's best Quick tandem since Willis and both them, um, you know, I'll i back him in to make runs in this series. I mean, he probably knows what's at stake. Uh, if Warner comes in and, and fails in this series, then that's it. They will they will they don't need the excuse to move on.
1: He's never made a hundred uh, on English soil. I think is the stat. Um, if 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 we know Davy the way we think we do. He'll be gritting his teeth, something shocking to uh, to correct that a few times over in this series. You know the the most interesting one for me because I think uh, if Bancroft plays, well his place in the uh, 11 is under question. Regardless, uh, we're going with Warner. He's he's one half of the opening pair, no matter who plays with him for this five-test series, as far as I'm concerned. Smith is the interesting one because when he left the game, he left it. As the as its absolute king, mm. um, in the white bo- uh, in the uh, you know, in the whites you know, yeah. the red format, he was just, you know, you couldn't touch him.
0: Yeah, as a batsman, as... um, his career trajectory was Ponting. It was past yes. Clark. Yeah.
1: Potentially past Ponting, like yeah, on the numbers alone, it was extraordinary. And at the you know at his age, so, you know. If anything, the momentum, momentum-wise, taking a year off him at that point, will we see him at his absolute best, you know, again? But but certainly on English soil, where I think he averages forty-two, not terrible numbers, but um, but not Smith numbers, uh, and they're probably uh, helped along by I think a pretty chunky hundred that he, or maybe even a double at at Lords.
0: Was yeah, two fifteen. That was 2.15 at Lord's in 2015.
1: Yeah, so without that knock, they're probably pretty ordinary numbers by Smith's standards. Um,
0: Yeah, I think the only other 100 he has in England is at the Oval in 2013, which was sort of the breakthrough knock for him.
1: Yeah, and they're they're probably the two pitches that most suit uh, the Australian game. The flattest decks, they're they're quite, you know, batsman-friendly at times.
0: Yeah, we won Um, won the two tests in London in 2015 and lost the other three, so...
1: Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, Smith is the one for me. I mean, I, like, you, you can't knock the quality prior to the suspension, but um, will we see him come back to earth a little bit, or will we see the legend continue to grow?
0: Yeah, he was also the one out of the three, and obviously he was captain, so this is somewhat appropriate, but he was also the three, one of the three who had affected the most, you know, publicly. I mean... Correct. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he reacts.
2: Um,
1: For for mine, it it, it showed up his leadership, if anything, and so
2: we know how hard
1: he works, and we know what a quality batsman he is, and perhaps with that being his primary focus in this Ashes,
2: um,
1: you know, and with Payne clearly leading the team from a much more holistic point of view,
2: um,
1: you know, maybe that's that's working in Smith's favour, because I don't think uh, I mean, this is just from the outside looking in. I think Smith was so affected because he doesn't consider himself to be um, a cheat. And I don't think he considers himself to be at the forefront of all this. But he paid the ultimate, well, not the ultimate price. He, paid, he was out of the game for a year at the top of his powers. So, you know, I think relinquishing the leadership might mean, might be the best thing he's got in his favour coming into the ashes.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, interestingly, speaking of leadership, um, Joe Root said that uh they might not do the shake of the hands thing before the start of the game. They're not wedded to it. Uh, this uh thing that Payne started where they'll the, the team shake hands with each other before the game.
1: It seems a weird thing to say no to, but
0: um The, the English do tend to pick the most oddest things to uh try and you know, get under the skin of the opposition, I feel like. There was a there was a brutal basic nature to Michael Clark, so I'm going to break your arm. Yeah. Um Well, it feels like he's trying to be a bit too clever by halves here, Root by. Oh well, we'll see. I don't like the fact it's in the rundown. That sort of.
1: Ah, it's you an know, odd one because I feel I, like I feel like if both teams get angry, I might back this group of Australians. Uh, I I don't know why I think that, but. Um, I think the English just sort of want to... I think if they play technical cricket on their soil, uh, it might be too much for for the Aussies. But um, I don't think they should back us into a
0: corner. Mm, Fair enough. Um, Reports are the pitch at Edgbaston is not quite as green as was expected. Right. Um, So Payne has said he was expecting a green top and with, you know... two of the best fast bowlers uh, of their generation, that would be understandable as far as England is concerned. Um, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be as juicy uh, as was expected. Uh, you win the toss in Birmingham this morning, English time. What do you do if you're Tim Payne?
1: Um, oh, this is a good chance for you to bring out that old adage, isn't it? I'm, I think you bat. I don't think...
2: Um,
1: you may
0: as well give him the adage, I suppose. Yeah, the adage is uh, that, which I, I think is attributable to Greg Chappell amongst among other people, is uh, when you win the toss nine times out of ten, you bat, and the tenth time you think about bowling, and then you bat. Um, and I'm I'm certainly of that school, but England got knocked over by Ireland for 80 in the first innings of the Test match in Lords. You've got Pattinson's first test in I don't know how long. Cummins at the peak of his powers. You know, whether it's Hazelwood or Siddle, who's the, the third quick, they're both cagey old veterans who hit a spot and, you know, make you play. It's just, it'd just be tempting to get the new Duke's ball in their hand very quickly.
1: 100%. And I think both, both of these teams would fancy that um, they have the bowlers to win the Ashes. Um, as opposed to the the batsman necessarily, but you can't you can't win the toss and bat and lose the ashes on day one. Uh, yeah. Or you know find yourself in a position where you've just given all the momentum back to the opposition just completely.
0: That's always um, the rationale of batting first, isn't it? You bat first, you make 110, you can always bowl the other team out for 110, but if you do what Nasser is saying, did in 2002, win the toss and bowl, and it's two for 360, you can't win the test match.
1: And there's your, there's the perfect example, because not only did they not win the test match, they were never a chance in the ashes from that point.
0: Mm. They gave
1: they gave runs to Ponting, who was just unstoppable, and they were in massive trouble from that point on. Uh, you know, and and the captain could, you know, basically take the blame for it. Um, so we've taken out their, you know, we've taken them out psych- psychologically straight away. Um, I think both teams know that, you know, 300 is going to be a really good score in this Ashes at any point. Um, and so teams getting rolled for 200, I think we will see it. Uh, and so if you bat first and you and you get rolled for 180 or 200 or thereabouts, well... Uh, it might be par for the course and we won't know until two teams have had
0: a bat That's I mean, There's plenty of cliche and that sort of thing around that sort of stuff you know, you have to, you can't judge a pitch until both teams have batted on it and, and that sort of thing um, might, Another one, it might be a good toss to lose, it might just be take the pressure off and you know, even win the toss and have a bat then maybe we have a go at them if if Australia win the toss and bat, then England might think, oh, goody, now we get a bowl at and then you you don't have to have the responsibility of making that decision.
1: I don't think it's like losing the toss in Australia, which Payne got pretty good at. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: I think there's, uh, yeah. I mean, like I say, both teams go in uh, with a lot of faith in their bowling line-ups. And so having first crack um, with a new rock on day one, not a bad thing.
0: Is there a more impotent criticism of a test captain than... He doesn't win tosses. <laughs> How does one get good at that? Just lots of two-up yeah. at casino and Anzac Day, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're right.
1: But um, geez, I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of one for uh, getting rid of it um, because it can have such a huge
0: effect on the game. I like my 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 suggestion for changing it was uh, you toss every two Test matches, or you toss. If it's a four-test series, you toss the first test and then you just alternate between choices. I think giving the away team the choice is too problematic. Um, Especially when there there are other solutions to, you know, most test countries prepare pitches to suit their teams rather than just the best cricket wicket. So...
1: Yeah, although increasingly I don't feel that's what we do in Australia, which is another one altogether. And maybe we've just lost the art of creating pitches uh, that are friendly for fast bowlers. But that's one thing we've just never lost. We've always had quality uh, steaming in, and they've got more and more batsman friendly.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there's other things at play. I think just historically the Australians have always uh, really appreciated the difference between the different wickets. You know, the bounce in Perth and the, you know, the five-day quality in Adelaide, the Turner in Sydney, you know, the bit of grass and the bit of movement in Brisbane. Um, That's sort of changed a little bit. There's different, you know, different factors in play with Adelaide now, keeping the grass on the wicket with the pink ball and the day-night test match. And you've got a new ground in Perth where they've only played one test match on it so far. So, and and the ongoing issues with uh, the quality of the Melbourne wicket. But, uh, yeah. I feel like that's more important to Australian cricket and Australian cricket fans than, you know, oh, we've got this incredible bunch of fast bowlers, let's let's create a w- let's prepare a wicket where you can't tell where this pitch is.
1: Yeah. No, it's not that I, I wouldn't be asking for that necessarily, but I don't feel that the character is as obvious at any of the grounds anymore. A drop in pitches and all that just seems to be taking a bit of that away.
2: Mm. This is a bit
1: of a left turn, but um I've recently downloaded uh, for the Xbox Cricket 19, and um, it's the first cricket game I've had a real dabble with for quite some time. But one thing I will say is that you you need different, and uh, you need to hone your batting craft playing in Perth versus playing in Melbourne, and that's one element of the game that I'm I'm really into. You can't be you can't be playing forward to Mitch Marsh at Optus Stadium uh, to a good length ball. It's going to
0: go over your bat or or be a chance to get caught in the slips. Very enjoyable indeed. Oh, that sounds promising. Um, Just on a quick tangent from that, Mitch Marsh, percentage chance of playing tonight? Tonight? uh, Yeah. uh, uh, Less than one. Less than one percent. They're not going to get tempted by the extra bowler, which is always the the issue, I think, with the Australian teams. I think
1: they've got an extra bowler if they pick P-City.
0: Fair enough. I think um, he's, he's he's going to bowl the lion's share and just uh,
2: you know in tandem with lion when the ball gets old he'll, he's uh,
1: he's wily and he he doesn't tire. In he's
0: the a great, lot of in, in the great tradition of other restri- Victorian fast bowlers like Merv, you know, never ever uh, say I don't want another over. I'll, I'll I'll bowl one more.
1: You know, I remember Dougie Bollinger?
0: Yes, well, he, he got left out basically because, uh, you know, it was he he didn't want the ball at certain stages because he wasn't fit enough. So
1: imagine that.
0: Yeah, he's st- he's still going around for New South, wasn't he? Just, did he just retire from first-class cricket, Dougie?
1: I'm not sure to be honest, but um, he left us with some good memories and a couple of
0: ripping fivers. And, and perhaps, and perhaps the greatest the BB, hot babe. spot ever.
1: <laughs> exactly right. That's <Exactly laughs> right. That's the one I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah. Um, at, at Birmingham, the weather tonight eh, for Thursday England time is uh, showers in the afternoon, a forty percent chance of rain. So that's another thing coming into uh, coming into calculations. Do you think weather will affect one or more tests in England? It's been a pretty wet summer over there, uh, warm but wet.
1: I'm going to say no. I think. Uh... Like I say, I think the batting lineups are brittle enough that I expect most tests to be done in four days, and we may extend to five if there is a little bit of rain about. But um, no, I'm I'm going to say no. I think we'll get five results.
0: Fair enough. No worries. Um, another factor in play, different from in England from pretty much anywhere else in the world, is the cricket ball, the Dukes. Yeah. Um, didn't play with the Dukes ball at the World Cup. Played with the Kookaburra ball. So most of these guys who were involved in the World Cup or have come in late might have just had the one game with the Dukes ball in English conditions in that uh, Australia versus Australia game. Um, a distinct advantage for the English having uh, bowling with the Dukes ball here?
1: Absolutely. Well, God, cricket's such a funny game, isn't it? I mean, the idea that you, you could play with a different ball in a different country and it wouldn't just, just be standardized. But mm. I suppose that... They're still running
0: around with a, is it a Burley in the waffle? <laughs> well, was that? Th- this is a tangent. The first couple, two or three seasons, Adelaide were in the AFL. They had to play one half with a Ross Faulkner and one half with a Sharon. you They would change the balls at halftime or on each quarter, so huge, huge concessions were made to the SANFL to get the Crows <sighs> to the competition. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I've never heard that
0: before. I always remember the, that, the, Ro- the Ross Faulkner balls seem to be longer and narrower than the Sharon's. So. I
1: just know that it, whenever I had one, I, I just wanted to get rid of it. I just was giving <laughs> the Sharon, but just, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, that's, uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm showing my colours here, but when, whenever they show waffle footage and, and they show Nick Natanui returning and
0: taking just a terrific pack mark, I'm like, oh, it's a burly. <laughs> it's It's disgusting. Do You get the same feeling with the with the uh, Duke's ball, or do you see it moving around. Oh, it's a Duke's! You know, I I could make it swing a foot.
2: Um, no,
1: I, it's it's peculiar and wonderful. Um, you, the ball for it, you know, I, I just love I love um, that that there are characteristics that go along with playing cricket in certain places. For a while, it used to when we were really really good, and India would roll us on a dust bowl that. That used to annoy me because it felt like a different game, but the, the subtleties are what make cricket so
0: wonderful. Um, yeah, and, and India, India, India developed this this generation of great fast bowlers. So there's not this incentive for them to produce huge dust bowls at the moment to play three or four spinners. Correct, but you if know, you're give a great the,
1: Indian fast bowler, you were still you you still learnt your craft. The Burma is just incredible, but you give him some conditions that work, and all of a sudden, you know. He's, uh, he's a different kettle of fish entirely.
0: Mm. Yep. Um, so yeah. so who do you think are the key players for each team coming into the ashes? We've got five tests. So we've got Edgbaston starting tonight. Um, we of course, in 2005, what is called by many the greatest test match ever played was played. So it hasn't been a happy hunting ground since then for Australia. Lords on the 14th, Headingley on the 22nd, Old Trafford on the 4th of September, and the oval on the twelfth of September. So that's it's like uh, five Test matches in seven weeks. Yeah, it's quick, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Key players. Yeah. Uh, you know, the series kind of revolves for me around Joe Root at three for England. Um, mm. And I've said it already, but uh, if he can find a way, uh, he, he's he's the glue for that top six, and they, I do think they look brittle without him. Uh, and the guy who can take it away from you in a session is is Ben Stokes. Um, and then for Australia, you know, can can Pat Cummins continue? Uh, you know, that, that summer was just freakish that he just produced.
0: Um, I mean, it is that, one of been... the best summers of all time by an Australian cricketer. I mean, there was nothing he didn't try that didn't work. Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, it it brought back memories. I mean, there's never been anything as devastating for me as, as Mitchell Johnson in that one
2: home ashes.
1: But Cummins last year was uh, was superb. And because he's on the rise, there's something even more exciting about it. Now, can he master the Duke's ball? And can he make a couple of 50s coming in at number eight? Um, or will his, will his batting desert him, um, you know, in different conditions? But, yeah, he, he's, he's a massive key. And I think Warner's the other one. I, I think, you know, we can... Hopefully, we can rely on Smith... Um, to get his runs at some point and similar to, to Root to sort of be the glue that holds uh, the Australian innings together. But if Warner can get away uh, and if he can bring the determination that he showed at the World Cup to uh, to not get out as well as to savage uh, this attack, you know, a couple of hundreds or maybe even three from Dave Warner and will be hard to go past.
0: Mm, yeah. For you? I'm completely different. So... I think yeah, uh, I think the big variable, the key player in so much as if he plays well, it'll be, England will be hard to beat. Is James Anderson? He's mm-hmm. just turned thirty-seven, and at some stage, um, he's going to stop being James Anderson. And yes. if that happens, if that's already happened and we just haven't seen it, he comes in and he's he's looking like the James Anderson who was pretty impotent in Australia. I mean, he hasn't got a great record in Australia, better than a lot of bowlers, but you know, last ashes here, he didn't look terribly dangerous. Um, if he's that James Anderson and they persist with him for two or three test matches, because he's, you know, he's earned it. He's got the credits in the bank. Um, and a couple of test matches, you know, Australia get a couple of four hundreds on the board, uh, in first innings of test matches. It'll be really hard for England to, to fight up, to fight back from that. And, you know, it'll be, up, it'll be, they'll be pushing bricks uphill. Um, if he bowls well, if he's moving the Dukes around like he always does, then I really find it hard to see England lo- find it difficult to see England losing the Ashes, you know, losing the series. Um, he seems like one that could still be
1: bowling brilliantly in English conditions well into his 50s. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think. Seems
1: so economical, but you'd stop touring him immediately and just sort of put him in cotton wool till they get back home again. Uh I can easily see him being their best bowler i am not so fussed about broad to be honest
0: yeah, I mean I think broad's a an interesting one and and obviously the scars run deep from Trent bridge four years ago but yeah. um but um I think his best days are probably behind him um, He's had certainly in with... Korea because he threatened to get, to tear the game apart
2: and then.
1: You know, through that Mitchell Johnson summer was... And I think he'd been hit uh, prior to that. But, jeez, he was, he was terrified. I
0: don't know yeah, if I mean, that
1: improved at all, but... Um, he
0: has a know, test I, I 169. I
2: uh, know. And
0: then, no. you know, was... Last Ashes here, he was making Glenn McGrath look like Don Bradman. Um, <laughs> yeah. Both in number of runs and ability to get in behind the ball. So, yeah, absolutely. Um. So I think the key player for England is Anderson. For Australia, I think it's Usman Kawaja. And a lot, of the, a lot of the same reasons it's Anderson. I think, and, or Root, uh, as you said, I, think, I still think number three is the most important position. I think in these conditions, and Khawaja's, I don't think he's ever had a really clear run at it in England. And I, 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 I'm not going to look it up, but I know he played, he was in and out of the team in 2013. I, can't, I don't think he was in the team in 2015. I know Smith was certainly batting number three at Trent Bridge. Um, I recall maybe that
1: he was there, but um, the, the spinners sort of took care of him. Um,
0: yeah. I certainly remember yeah. in 2013 he had problems with Swan. And yeah, I definitely. can't remember if Panesar played in that series or not. I don't think Moeen Ali was in the test team at that stage. But I think to combat the Duke's ball, you want someone who's good off their back foot and plays late. And, and Usman Kawaja is that batsman. Um, if he makes a hundred and three fifties and gets 400 runs in the series it's almost hard to see Australia losing the ashes as in I think they'll win a couple of test matches and probably retain the earn at the very worst he's sort of it's, it, I don't know how to put it but it, it's sort of it would be unexpected but it'd be nice to see him get a, a nice run of the team he gets injured a lot I think they've pulled the trigger on him dropping him, you know, many times. And I just like... I, there's nothing nothing I'd rather see, I think, in this first test than, you know, the Kowaja come in and maybe 1 for 50, 1 for 60, and then peel off a really classy 100 uh, <laughs> be before the end of the, the day one. and just set the tone for the rest of the series on day one.
1: You always talk about, you know, the, the players who, you know, pass the... What, what do you call it? The... Uh... The grandkids' test or whatever you're going to tell yeah. your grandkids. Yeah, and Callis never passed it for you. Well, if he has a great English summer, you know, we'll really enjoy it because it's uh, it's it's a thing of beauty when he's up and going.
0: Yep, and th- this is a little sn- snippet, it, it relates to Warner as, as well. David Boone didn't get 100 in England until the third time he went there. He didn't get one in 85, but he didn't get one in 89. And Boone's one of the great top order batsman in Australian history. So yeah. I mean, and 85 was a poor team, 89 was an incredible team. So, you know, it wasn't just about the sort of team he was playing and and missing out. Um so, you know, Warner and Kawaja going back for the third time. Um it's interesting. I mean, obviously if Warner just if Warner has 100 at lunch <laughs> to, to <laughs> you know today, then yeah, you know, it's probably series over, but we don't. Despite the fact he has that in the kit bag, we don't think that's about to happen. So,
1: yeah, it's hard to picture him really, him really breaking the shackles, um, because of how much it means to him. Um, mm. He seems to have, he seems to have hidden that one. You know, some of the knocks he played at the World Cup were just so contained, uh, mm. and like I say, he looked like a Test player for. A, for all money um, during a lot of that uh, tournament.
0: Having said that, Australia had a more conventional approach to building their one day innings during the World Cup, which was the which was the, the the worm going up and up and up rather than you know, yes, more the, the, more the Sri Lanka ninety six way of doing it. You get the runs in the first fifteen overs, then knock around the singles for twenty five overs and then you know, the the reverse bell curve.
1: It was a very interesting um it was a very interesting tournament. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. You know, we we spoke pre-tournament about the, you know, the tendency for World Cups, no matter how teams have been going, the tendency for World Cups to, you know, to up the aggression, for run rates to go up um, during the tournament. And England were ready to, you know, absolutely blast their way. They were talking about 500 and all that kind of stuff and, an old school approach, uh, you know someone high up in Australia obviously decided that's the way we were going to go about it. And it was frustrating to watch at times, and particularly when India made three hundred and fifty or whatever it was against us, um, to watch us chase that and not attempt to take advantage of the field being up. It's an interesting one because I don't think we I don't think we were thinking going into the tournament, you know two fifty will be enough. I think we were thinking, we're really going to get a spike from 5, 6, and 7. And too many mm. times, 5, 6, and 7 fell in a heap.
0: Yeah, well, Stoinis was hurt. He was in and out of the team. And then um, other injuries happened. So the team sort of lost some continuity right at the stage when you want to build the continuity. And Australia have now gone with the one-day team fully where they went with the T20 team, and that is, you know, everyone gets a game for three and a half years, and you might have six changes from one game to another in the same series. Once you get to a World Cup, it's the same eleven; You play your best eleven, and
2: yeah. they weren't able to
0: do that by the end of the tournament.
1: It's been interesting to hear Waitley talk about the selection for this Ashes being not that. Going mm. away from, the, from years and years of, um, you know, picking and sticking, And and taking your your fast bowlers and just sort of running them into the ground, win that Ashes, and you know, enjoy
0: the grind. Yeah, well, there's going to be at least two changes from our last Test team, and the two blokes who we know are out, which is Burns and Patterson. They both made hundreds in that Test match. So yeah, yeah. Burns, they won eighty. So
1: I don't know how how much you can mess with the batting tactically, except that I heard Ricky Ponting say. The a way to blunt Moeen Ali is not to pick so many lefties. And it looks like we'll go in with four in the top six tonight. So um, I I expect that if Moeen does sort of prize a few of those lefties out, or if Travis Head is uncomfortable against the moving ball, or Kawaja wafts at one outside off stump, that um, we may see um, Manus Labashane uh, as early as um, Lords. Mm. But with the bowling you know, it was really interesting to hear, you know, Waitley used the analogy about boxing smart and whether, you know, because they've said they won't play Stark and Pattinson in the same team, that they they are playing the same role. Um, or, or, or that that's something that I've heard along the way. So, you know...
0: That's the other one, isn't it? Stark is out. It's pretty much been yeah. confirmed that he took two fifers in that last test match so he took 10 for about 95 that's right and then
1: dominated the world cup but traditionally struggled to get some rhythm going with a with the Duke ball b in england there's an element of smart boxing about that and not just shoving like you know there's been some weird decisions over the years continuing to bat Usman um up the order in india when you know he just couldn't play the spinning ball there for a while and there was a part of it that was like let's look to future and let's teach Osman Kawaja how to play against the spinning ball or mm-hmm. you can pick someone who you know is not going to have a single problem with playing the spinning ball like a David Hussey or, you know like I don't know I, I, I'm sort of with Waitley on this and that the squad seems to have the kind of balance that might just be able to you know make a few shifts and hit teams when it hurts like the, when, we, when we rolled England in the World Cup in the preliminary round it was the Berendorf selection that did that
0: yeah, and the, the um, left-handers is that is that another reason why you would why Bancroft over Harris? Ah, uh, yeah, right-handed you start with the left-right.
1: People have spoken about that. There, there is something about uh, Warner and Harris that that's a little loose, um, and that is both left-handers, and and the bowlers get their eyes in. So, um, you know, Bancroft and Warner get along really well, um. It, it allows us to sort of absorb whatever England wants to throw at us from a sledging point of view um, in the crowd and on the field. Uh, we can absorb all that in Session 1 if we win the toss and bat and be like, whatever you throw at us, it's not going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, if they can turn over the strike and have the bowlers realigning the lines, bowling a left-hander for a couple of balls, then right-hander and that... that is a tried-and-true method of uh, getting, you know, getting runs and getting the bowling uh, their radars off.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like
0: yep. it. So who do you think wins this match, the first test oh. match of the Ashes series? What's the result?
1: I don't have a huge amount of faith in either side, but I suspect I suspect that whoever wins the test wins the Ashes, and it might be something like a 3-2 scoreline.
0: You're hearing that a lot. A lot. Hey? I'm hearing that a lot. I'm hearing a lot of people say, you know, the first, whoever wins the first test will win the Ashes.
1: I think it'll be, you know, it'll be a nice lead to get away to in in a series that's going to have five results.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think you want to land that first blow, and if it's the touring side, I, I, I do think Australia win the Ashes from here. But if I if I have to make a call right now, uh, it, I have to side with England and the
0: Duke ball. Fair enough. I do think. I think. Reflecting on what you said before about uh, the two London test venues and the pitches, it's hard to see Australia losing the series if they win this test match with two test matches left at Lords and the Oval. I agree. Yeah, But, but it's if... in a
1: real spot where, where there, there aren't too many teams that, that go elsewhere in the world and win. Mm. They just aren't. Like it, it, that's been constant because teams have got so good at playing at home. And as you yeah. say, you know, hopefully doctoring pitches to make that work and techniques that suit batting at home but not away. And, yeah the, yeah, the gap's never been bigger. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But, having said that, England don't look that great on paper the way they do in a one-day team.
0: mm feels like uh, Egypt and Headingley are the two places that Australia are least likely to win. Um, Old Trafford will all... And getting into September of Old Trafford, it'll, it... There's, it's going to have to take a little turn. Um, having said that, Nathan Lyon has has had more success on the bouncy pitches than the ones that uh, don't bounce but turn square. So, yeah. Um, so, that, so have you? So, England reluctantly in this match and then series.
1: Perhaps three-two to England. If I've three. got to make the call.
0: No worries. Um, and I'm uh, myself. Um, I think it's almost who wins the first session wins the Ashes. You, um, you know, I think the least likely result this at uh, 10 o'clock tonight Australian time would be, you know, one for 60 after about 27 overs, regardless of who's in or not. Um, I just feel like we're going to have an eventful morning. Maybe this is just me getting excited about, you know, it's been four years uh, since an Ashes, England Ashes series, and it's been a little while since we could say that because the last two came... Within yeah. two years of each other, so yeah. um, look, I'm probably a little bit like you. I'm not over the moon with the Australia's form, and it has been a little while since we played a Test match. Um, but the English batting lineup, I think Stokes is a, is an incredible talent. But I, you know, I don't think the England team of 15 years ago would have ever really considered Andrew Flint off a number five. And they've got Stokes at number five. So I feel like they've got a lot of... There's a lot of number sixes in the team. And you might get to the number six rather quickly. If you if you if if someone like Cummins has a good session... You know, England win the toss this morning. And Cummins has a good session with the new ball, which he's now getting. And you don't have to worry about that now With the, if you play Siddle. You know, Starks not playing. So you give Cummins the new ball. Um... Yeah, I just feel like it's going to be an eventful morning, and you know, if I, I, I think, I think, I think two two. I, I think the weather will ruin a Test match, um, but which means I think two two, and I think the urn comes back to Australia. Geez,
1: wouldn't that be brilliant? I mean, uh, that would be the redemption story, two two or not. I don't think we need to win the series to, for them to go home heroes, as long as we've got the little urn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I tend to agree because I think I mean England are favourites. Um, I'm not about to start quoting odds on my podcast because that's a slippery slope. But England are the favourites. Um, but um, yeah, I th- I, th- I think it's going to be a really even series in so much as I think one team is as likely to win as the other. I just I don't think we're going to see a lot of middling just turning you know just. The cricket game just going along. I think it, I think we're going to see a very eventful five, seven weeks with these five tests.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 it's those events that that make me think we're going to have a result in each game.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. think the rain's the only thing that's going to stop that happening. I, I I've, I've long said that Australia a long time ago lost the ability to save a Test match, um, and I don't know if England are any better at it. You know, the South Africans have developed this ability to save a test match and the Indians to a lesser extent. But uh, really, there's no other team in World Test Cricket that really has that ability to, OK, go and bat five sessions to draw a test match. And, uh, yeah, uh,
1: where's that? You'd, you wouldn't mind seeing um, Langer inspire a generation of Australian players that, that got that back. There's something yeah, that's so good about a test match like that where you, you just can't win, but you find a way not to lose either.
0: Oh, I mean, there's nothing... You know, some of the most gripping test cricket I've ever seen has been, you know, seven blokes around the bat, yeah. 10 overs to go, two wickets in hand, spinner bowling, I mean, Warren or now Nathan Lyon has done a fair bit of it, you know, just, you know, and the ball bobs up a little bit, it's a half chance, your heart's, your heart's racing, so...
1: But, All the best
0: test matches are just like that. Whether yeah. there's
1: a result or not, you know, I, I, my mind goes back to um, Peter Siddle's heroics at Adelaide, Versus Fafu and like, you know, like Mark Waugh batting out at Adelaide and there, there, there's just all the all the great moments I can call on. Whether we ended up losing or not, uh, yeah, they've been small chases or they've been games where it, it was seemingly lost and then two blokes come together.
0: That that uh, that YouTube clip of Mark Waugh hitting the stumps at the end of that hundred is perhaps the greatest Richie Benno clip ever because. <laughs> <laughs> On the commentary, he has it right immediately, and Bill Laurie is screaming blue at him that Mark Moore is going to be given out, and Richie's just calm and click. No, no, he's not going to be out. That's not the rule, and of course, Richie was right. So He was always right. As much as we love Bill. Anyway, um, Cameron, for those of you who don't know, you're, uh, you're in musical theatre. You've just been in Jersey Boys. You've got a new show that you're starting soon. Do you want to give it a plug?
1: I am. I've just arrived. In fact, we've we started uh, on Tuesday. We had some audiences. Uh, it's called a midnight visit, and it's an interesting one. This, but I'm having a great time. Essentially, it's a walk through the mind of Edgar Allan Poe. So it, you know, immediately lends itself to the macabre. It's quite, it's quite spooky, I guess you'd say. They've converted, actually, interestingly enough. Here's a tie-in for the, um, for sports lovers out there. Uh, they've converted the Melbourne Tigers' uh, old training facility the cage at the corner of Boundary Road and... Uh, and oh, yeah, Macaulay. Yeah, um, in, in North Melbourne. I've converted that into 36 rooms. Uh, it, it's quite an extraordinary space to walk through, from bedrooms to hospital wards to... Um, there's a ball pit. There's You know, there's, there's, there really is all sorts in here, and um, you have a wander through the mind of Edgar Allan Poe, so you'll hear... Um, You'll hear some text of his. You'll, you might even see Poe walking around. Um, it, it's a fully immersive experience in the style of New York's Sleep No More, which has been outrageously popular. Um, and, yeah, there's uh, some, some Australians were inspired by um, that kind of storytelling, and uh, I think Melbourne's the perfect city for it. So you should get along. It's open till November.
0: Open till November and highly recommended for Baltimore Ravens fans and others alike. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll call, we'll give it a wrap there. Um, Cameron, you're going to come back in a month and talk footy finals. 100%. mate. And an AFL awards. So, yeah. which, we'll, which I'll entitle the, why on earth hasn't Josh Battle got a rising star nomination yet? Uh, <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> well, as long as we don't let our allegiances come too strongly to the fore, I'd be happy to be
0: a part of it. Punter. I um, think we've done a pretty good job of not letting that come to a fore through the last hour. So
1: now tell me, what's the name of the podcast? What's uh, the name of the podcast?
0: It should go without saying, which you suggested uh, on uh, Friday night that uh, was a reflection of when we start talking like this at the cricket, people start moving away after about five minutes. So
1: It, it would be remiss of us not to mention that that's why I felt this would be a good idea for the podcast. Yeah. I do work I do work in the theater and and it's fair to say that within the theater industry at least I'm considered something of a sporting guru but I don't know whether that means anything at all I'm also considered quite masculine for the theater business and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, necessarily write that on my calling card um, but I do I do love my sport which I think intimidates some people in in my business and then if uh, you know I, I have to bow down to your sporting knowledge at all times but often we would you know, occupy somewhere in the outer on, say, day four of the Boxing Day test match, and we'd run through everything cricket, and then we'd run through everything football and anything else that was floating around, I suppose, on a sporting landscape, um, to the point where, you know, we actually, you know, made an effort to find somewhere in the stand that was, uh, you know, not so populated. Um, but whether it was when we started talking uh, or not, it was certainly not so populated when we were done. So mm. in, in in the spirit of that, why not record an hour of it? I don't know whether that's for our own... Uh, I don't know, it just feels good to get an hour of sporting chat off your chest. If you've listened to it all, congratulations.
0: If you've made it this far, you've done well. Um, and you should so continue to listen. No worries. Thanks very much, Cameron, and all the best with the show. It's at the Cage, corner of Macaulay Street and what was the... And Boundary Road. And Boundary Road in North Melbourne, and it's on till November. So look it up. Thanks very much, Cameron. We'll talk to you later. Good on you, Pana.